Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Hope you got good plans for the weekend. We've had sunshine so many days in a row in Missoula, I don't even know what to do, but it it looks like it's going to be a glorious weekend. I'm about to hit the road on Sunday to go to one of my favorite events of the entire year. I know it's going to be different this year, but I don't care. I'm being optimistic about it, and it's going to be a great time. You're listening into Nuanez now. It's our last show of the week and the last show for a little while here in the ESPN Missoula studios. I am Coulter Nuanas, broadcasting to you live from the ESPN studios at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Nuanas now is your one-stop shop for all things sports each and every day around the Treasure State right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. If you want to listen in, on either YouTube or the live stream or any sort of mobile platform, any you want to use any of your various technologies that's not your terrestrial radio or your television set, we got you covered as well. All you have to do is go to the station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. There you will find the stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to give me a call, shoot me a text. You can do either of those things, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. It's a Friday, so that means we're drinking Florence coffee. I've had a lot of coffee today already. This has been 
Uh, I know that in sports, we're prone to hyperbole. I know myself as a storyteller when I'm orally orating my stories, prone to spice them up a little bit, exaggerate a little bit. That's just sort of the way some of us are made. But I will tell you this, this was definitely the the most production and the busiest I've been in my entire time here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. But it will be all worth it when we take this show on the road next week to go to Boise, Idaho for the Big Sky Conference Tournament. I already have a whole bunch of stuff solidified for next week, both in terms of interviews I've already knocked out, already recorded, uh, as well as some other stuff. We'll catch up with some of the great people that we will meet up with and see in Boise as well. It is a Friday, so that means it is a Florence Coffee Company Friday. I'm drinking my second Americano of the day. Had one earlier today when we were recording with our good friend Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports. That's upcoming here in about, oh, I'd say 10 minutes. Also going to go through some of the state championship stuff that's going on around the state of Montana. We have a new Grizz Greats excerpt, and that's something to, to stay tuned to for next week as well. Today, we'll hear from Corey Falls. He's a defensive end on Montana's 1995 National Championship team. We will be done with Grizz Greats in terms of playing them on the radio uh, by the end of this week. If you look on the TV camera, you see behind me, you see our array of wonderful awards. Another reason why I've been so busy this week, editing all our submissions for the EB Cranny Awards, which is uh, one of the things we really take a lot of pride in, sports coverage of the year throughout the last four years. So we're hoping to take home another one of those fine trophies. But you see the painting of Dave Dickinson, Don Reed, and Andy Larson. We'll continue to uh, give you more details on how to win that painting as well. That's more than a $1,000 retail value. And so uh, we really appreciate Ryan Bagley for commissioning that for us, as well as frame of mind for putting a sweet frame on it but stay tuned for Grizz Greats all next week as well we'll be playing excerpts from Kelly Stensrud who's a native right here in Missoula Sean Gokachia who's down from the, in the Bitterroot Valley Randy Riley who had the infamous sack safety in the national championship game to lift Montana that 22 to 20 win over Marshall and we'll also hear from Fritz Neighbor and Ron Lockery to finish up our uh, reveals of the um, Grizz Greats sound bites on the show. In this show, though, we're going to wrap up our number one. MSU had games today against Sacramento State. Both the MSU women and men, they won. The men had to gut it out 77-75 over Sac State. The women played a lot better today than they did on Friday. They win 81-66 at Sac State. So the MSU women now, they finish Big Sky Conference play uh, in good shape. We'll give you an update on the seating as well as we get into that. And then second out, it's going to be fun. Our good buddy Kyle Sample, who's been a guest host on Fridays. He likes coming by on Fridays after 5 when he gets off of his real job, his real busy job. And... Uh, Spent a little time with us here, so it'll be fun to have Kyle in studio as a former sports writer, recovering sports writer, as we'd like to say. We haven't talked NBA around here in a while because I've been rolling out a ton of guest hosts, and I try to kind of cater the show first and foremost to you, the listeners, but then secondarily to whoever's in studio with me. I like having conversations with people that they are comfortable with or that they uh, have acumen or expertise in, and I really appreciate everybody that has been contributing to this show. It's been a lot of fun. I think it's diversified the product quite a bit. But Kyle, as a guy that we spent a lot of time in our personal lives, he's one of my best friends that we spent a lot of time watching the NBA. We haven't talked to NBA around here in a little while. I know that uh, Riley Corker can hang a little bit in the NBA, and Sean Rainey's definitely an NBA guy. But this time of year, uh, a lot of my, my media colleagues were so busy covering basketball at le- levels below the NBA, we don't have a lot of time to watch the NBA. But I know Kyle Sample has been watching the NBA, so we will catch up with him uh, for a variety of topics about the NBA as well. And we're also going to talk some NFL as well. So there you go. That's what we got 
in the show today. It is state tournament time. State tournaments are uh, happening all across the state of Montana. In basketball, the Class A tournaments are happening up in Great Falls. And here's a rundown of what has taken place so far. The Billing Central girls, they are the co-reigning champions in Class A. They took out Harden, who's the other co-reigning champion, 50-37 to yesterday to advance to the state title game. There they will face Haver. The Blue Ponies took out Columbia Falls 59-38 earlier on Thursday. So Central, who was led by future Lady Grizz Maya Hansen, they last won the outright Class A state title in 2012, while Haver captured state titles in 2018 and 2019. And again, Billing Central was the co-champions of Class A last year as well. So those are two of the best programs in the state period, regardless of classification. That should be a great series. In the boys' action, the semifinals are set. They will get started at 5.30 tonight. Laurel plays top-seeded Dillon at 5.30, and then Polson plays Billing Central at 7.30. So we will have uh, an update for you on our Twitter account, at ESPN Missoula, um, at 102.9 ESPN Missoula, excuse me, on Twitter uh, later on this evening from those games. And you can also follow hashtag MT scores if you want to ha- know what's happening at the Class A State Boys Basketball Tournament. State wrestling started as well for all of the classifications today. Double A is up in Kalispell. Uh, And there's going to be a bunch of competition for the team competition. Great Falls is the reigning champion. They're taking 18 wrestlers up to the Flathead Valley. But that is not as many as Billings West, who has 23. Billings Senior, who has 24. Flathead, who has 23. And then Butte, who might be the overwhelming favorite with 25 wrestlers in the field. Big news from around Missoula. Hunter Meisen, who is headed to Oregon State, he's shooting for a three-peat at 152 pounds. So keep an eye on that. We'll have updates for you next week. In Class A, Sydney looking to become just the fourth team in Montana history ever to four-peat twice. The Eagles, it's almost a formality, it seems like, for the Class A team championship. The individual championships that everybody's going to be watching, probably the number one storyline is Cooper Birdwell. He's from Lewistown. He's gunning to become the 37th four-time champion in state history. And then the Class B-C state wrestling meet. Gunnar Smith of Eureka also looking for that illustrious four-peat. We're doing this thing in a little different order today because of the way all of our interviews stacked up, etc. So, because it's a Friday, it's time for one of our favorite segments of the week. What do you think? Do you think it's bad to have two coffees on a Friday? Because I'm definitely having a second one later. No. You, do you only have one usually? <laughs> well, I usually try to save my coffee until Fridays because Florence Coffee Company is such a great sponsor of ours. But here we are on a Friday, uh, I'd say not quite afternoon, recording for a Friday afternoon show, and I'm drinking a coffee, but I'm probably going to have another one. So. That coffee looks really good. I would have another, too. <laughs> yeah, Florence yeah. Coffee is the best. Thanks for supporting us. And as always, Florence Coffee Company Friday. Head on down to a Florence Coffee Company near you. It is time now, though, for the Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports. It's presented by the Iron Grizz American Bistro here in Missoula. Go check out the Iron Grizz American Bistro. The sun's been shining for like four days in a row, so that means the garden is probably melting a little bit. So they'll be having some delicious fresh produce there at the Iron Grizz. It's a great place to go watch the sunset, great place to have a glass of wine on the back porch. Or now two. That it's Or two, three, whatever. Now that it's sunny, go check them out at the Iron Grizz. Carolyn, what's going on? How's your Friday so far? It's glorious. I'm going to tell you why. It's sunny. Yeah. I had to swing by uh, the grocery store on the way in. Yeah. I let two people go before me just because. And um, 
you know, I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling myself. Have you gotten the, uh, isn't that weird how it makes the sun makes you feel more confident just yes, automatically? 100%. It's so just weird. just like skipping down the road. Have you gotten this trend of buying people in front or behind you uh, things? No. Mm. See, I've been doing it just, I think it's fun. I love it. I just kind I'm of not gonna. Back. I'm not. I don't mean like grocery store because that could get weird. Because right. they might have a. Take this lady's week's worth. Of <laughs> right. Right. No, but like just you know, I say, hey, pay for the person's coffee behind me too. What if they're like she had fourteen? I just say run it for four extra bucks oh, and get them. That's you know, nice. whatever. That's nice. I um haven't done that. I've done it before. I haven't done it in a while. Um, and I kind of forget about it sometimes. I'm always in such a rush, multitasking. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Looking at TikTok. Do you, you think know. we're ever gonna stop being in a rush? Well, we did last year. Think about, about if thirty days. Think about if we never watched TV again, how much less rushed we would be. That sucks. All we're doing is rushing so that we can go sit on the couch for hours at a time. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, man, I hate relaxing. Speaking of, I'm gonna have a little PSA coming Let's to go. America. Part two is out today on this, Amazon. This is nothing but a, just gonna be an inevitable disappointment, right? I don't I mean, care. Coming to America, the first movie is absolutely one of the funniest movies that's ever been made yes. ever. I cannot wait. I almost watched it this morning while I was waiting for my family to get up, and then I said, "No, Carolyn, no." And I'm waiting until seven o'clock tonight. I uh. I have a goal in 2021 to read 21 books. The first book that I completed uh, was a book my brother brought me for Christmas called The Big Picture. It's all about the Hollywood movie industry and the way that it's transformed and shifted towards being almost exclusively about blockbuster studio films. Oh, yeah. When are you going to loan me that book? I can certainly loan it to you because it's very good. You would enjoy it very much. It's a fascinating uh, analysis because now all these screenwriters, a lot of the great actors, they all want to do quote-unquote TV because it's not TV. It's long-form right. movies, but they're just, you know, 10-hour-long seasons for seven, eight seasons in a row. So you're basically making like an 80-hour movie like by the time. Like my show Yellowstone. Right. That, I'm that starring, you're the star of, I'm right. A, I'm a starring background actress. Totally. Yes. Totally. But then that's also then made it so that what movies can we make that people will go see in theaters? There's still a certain... Um, Film culture for people that want to go to like the Roxy and they'll go see, you know, like the beautifully made film that's an yeah. Academy Award winner, but that's hardly going to make you any money. So now everybody's gravitating towards two things. One, gigantic blockbuster type, you know, Avengers. the Transformers, the yeah. Avengers, all that stuff. Or like this, repeats or well, I'm sequels. In, I'm into the sequel. I'm not into the reboot. Like when they try to remake Dirty Dancing. Sure. No. Sure. Uh-uh. Sure. Not having sure. it. Sure. However, I will. I am into coming to America too. I am into, like, I tried to watch the new Punky Brewster. It was a <laughs> disgrace, so, and I don't know why I thought it wouldn't be any anything more than a disgrace. So tell me this: it seems now that baby boomers are. Are you calling me a baby? You're boomer? not a baby boomer. Okay. Baby boomers are now old enough where we know sort of what their habits post. Um, 30s, 40s are, you know, kind of yeah. the, your middle age. Now they're in their the, kind of the last stages or, the, or the, the, is entering into being a little bit older. And it seems as if they somewhat love nostalgia, but not nearly as much as your generation. It seems like yeah. people that grew up in the 80s and 90s are obsessed with nostalgia. Why do you think that is? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because we have seen such a shift in what the world has become. Sure. Like our kids are on screens and they're not riding their bikes and they're not Ugh. like doing all the things they're supposed to be doing unless you threaten to take away their screens. And so <laughs> it's just, it was a simpler time. If your kids came to you and just said, mom, I'm leaving, I'll be back for dinner. What would you say? 
Um, they sometimes do that, but I will tell you, last night, I'm going to give a shout-out to Coach Justin on Nick's soccer team. Okay. He shout was like, Coach I'll, I'll bring Nick home because they live in our neighborhood. And practice is over at 7.30. And all of a sudden, it's 8.30. That's late. Yeah. Well, you only get the turf for so long. Because, oh, right. Because you know, are they practicing in the indoor? No, they're practicing down at the fort. Oh, but it's busy. It's busy. Right. And you can only... and thanks, So they eat dinner before? He has half dinner before, half dinner after. Oh, Otherwise, he's got a stomach ache. It's a whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> 8.30 rolls around, and I'm like, he's still not home. And I was like sitting there panicking, like, is Nick sitting at the fort waiting for me? Because oh, he doesn't have a phone to text sure, me. Sure, And so then I had to text Justin and be like, um, you have my child, right? And of course he did. He was just dropping kids off, and they were cleaning up the field and all those things. So... I do have a heart. I I don't know if I could do what my mom did, which was go out and play until the bell rings because we had a bell. Sure. And when the six o'clock bell rings, you come home. <laughs> that's that's. It was like not my my house didn't have a bell. That my neighborhood, Western Springs. Yeah, I just Illinois. think it's so funny how the dynamic has shifted. Where parents now are like, "Where are you going?" Right. Where parents used to be like. Get the hell out of my house. I know. I have like a tracking device on Ben's phone. Oh my God. My parents used to be like, you need to get out of here. Go I away. Know. Come back later. I know. Honestly, like if they could um, microchip. Them. Oh my God. Here we go. I know. But what's the worst that could happen? Oh, I don't know. They could be murdered. They're not going to be murdered. This is the fear mongering that exists in America. They're not going to be murdered. Well, I hope In not. your quintessential <laughs> perfect neighborhood in Grand Creek in Missoula, Montana. The over down at the base by the highway? What's happening? Uh, okay. We're not going to go. We're there. totally on a tangent now. But I've walked through the bum camps. The bums are homeless. They're, they're, they, are, they are harmless. They're very few homicidal people. They're very just mentally ill and probably strung out and or just living their best lives. Okay. Well, we regardless, <laughs> regardless, Carolyn, what do you got for this world of sports that you don't know about? Okay. Well, do you know the name? I hope I say her name right. Maya Shaka. Maya Shaka. Uh, I do not. Tell me about this. Well, person. you better. You better <laughs> okay. learn. Okay. She is the first female, um, sorry, first black woman to join the ranks of officials at football's highest level, the NFL. Interesting. So now there's, I think, two women. Interesting. That are uh, refs for the NFL. Interesting. Um, this is awesome. Uh, it is I awesome. I love seeing these women down on the field because they know their stuff. Because I don't. For sure. Um, and I just, I love seeing that they are being a little bit more open with having females down there. I mean, I remember, was it Erin Andrews, who was like one of the first ESPN correspondents? Um, yeah, she's field, certainly or? among the pioneers for sure. I mean, probably Susie Colber and Pam Oliver, Lisa, Lisa Salters, Michelle Tafoya, they were all sort of in that pioneering group. But yes, yeah, so it's only been... I don't know, within years? 15 or 20 years, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's great to see women down there, and as much as I joke that I'm the chick who doesn't know sports, <laughs> um, I love seeing these women that actually know their stuff and all that good stuff. What I want more than anything is for us to reach the point where this isn't even a story. Uh, agreed. You but, know what I mean? You know, it's 2021. It's going to take a while. We're, we are maybe knocking on the door, though, of something historic in the fact that 
Now, Becky Hammond, who is one of the great women's basketball players of all time, she has been an assistant coach at the NBA for close to 10 years now. And she's been working with Greg Popovich for the San Antonio Spurs. And as we know, anybody that is a uh, associate of Greg Popovich's has a very good chance of getting a big-time NBA job. He's had guys like um, you know Mike Budenholzer and Michael Malone and, I mean, a variety of former Popovich, Steve Kerr, that have gone on to become great NBA head coaches. And I think that now that Becky Hammond has um, enough experience experience and she has her playing clout as well there is a pretty good chance that she's going to be a pretty good candidate for a head coaching job and that will be a transcendent moment because we've never seen a woman head coach yeah. in a man's sport but let me ask you this i love this how do you think the male players will respond to that do you think they're woke enough to this is a really interesting question actually because i think that i think if becky hammond was to get a head coaching job in men's basketball in college it would be a train wreck. Really? Because I think you'd have a really hard time with young men. I think you need a, I think you need a same sex authority figure. There's been a few male coaches in women's basketball and you know Robin Selvig is the greatest example of that going well. We've also seen it go very poorly in other examples as well. I do think it's sort of uh, I don't know. I think it's it has a chance to go go a lot more smoothly when you're playing in college for a same sex, especially in men's basketball, because so many of those young men have no father figure, right. and so the men, the coach becomes their father figure. For sure. And I think that they would just be an an interesting fold. That said, in college, if you gave her a long time to recruit players. She could recruit players that were into it. If she took over a job, it would be really hard initially, but she could recruit a team that was all about it, right? In the NBA, I think that if you know your stuff and you know how to manage egos, because the NBA is totally different than co- coaching in college. There is a certain amount of strategy involved, but mostly it's just about managing egos right? because the players make 100 times more money than you do, right? right? So in college, you're getting paid $10 million. The players are getting paid scholarships. That's it. In the NBA, the players are getting paid $100 million, and you're getting paid $2 million. So it's a totally different thing. I think that Becky Hammond, because of just her acumen and having worked for and um, – coached under Greg Popovich, I think she would be just fine. I yeah. think if, I think if it was the right franchise, there was, there's certainly going to be some demonstrative players that wouldn't be able to do it, yeah. but they're like that with male, men or women. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right, right. James Harden's hard to coach. Say, James Harden. Yeah, James Harden and Russell Westbrook are just hard to coach, yeah. period, because they're just really aggressive people. So I don't think it matters if you're a man or a woman, but it will be cool when that door is knocked down. It'll be an interesting experiment to see how it works. All right. Well, I, I think that's great, and I love to see more women in sports, especially male-dominated sports, so... Maya Chaka. Okay. Yeah. So remember that name. Well, maybe we'll see a trend because the NFL has had uh, such mediocre referees. Maybe now that there's a few women involved, maybe we can actually see an improvement in the uh, the officiating. Probably they'll be more official and I mean more efficient at least. Uh, and well, also they there might they might make it their full time jobs. That's one thing that people don't maybe understand is a lot of NFL referees. It's only their part time job. A lot of NFL referees are guys that are like lawyers and doctors, and they just do the NFL thing in the fall because they've established this professional reputation where they can just take the fall off and that's crazy it is crazy and a lot i mean some of the like ed hockey is probably the most famous ref of the last 20 years and, and he was like that but uh how much do they make how much money do they make the nfl officials yeah. mm, not as much as you probably think huh. Pro- i would say they make uh, well i mean when it's when you break it down on a per game basis quite a bit i, I bet you they make between 20 and thirty thousand dollars a game what which which is you know it works out to be about a quarter million dollars a year that's Which, a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but when you're talking about in an industry that's worth tens of billions of dollars, I mean, the league minimum in the NFL for players is $460,000. 
So you're talking the last paid player in the league makes twice as much as the head ref. Yeah, but you can be a ref without getting a concussion. <laughs> That's a good point. It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, officiating when you break it down on a per game basis is a good way to make money. I think the officials like at this level of college sports, the Big Sky Conference, what we watch here in Montana, I think they make about fourteen hundred dollars a game. All right, so they're looking for soccer for refs. Mm. So I'm wondering if I start there and then I can work my way up into mm. the NFL. What do you mm-hmm. think? I mean. Try it. All right. I don't want to. I'd rather coach the NFL than soccer. I see those parents on the side. Oh, man. Oh, no. Youth sports is is a a thankless job when it comes to officiating, but an essential one as well. What else you got? All right. Tiger Woods. By the way, it is the chick who doesn't know sports. You're listening to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Chick who doesn't know sports each Friday, presented by the Iron Grizz American Bistro. Okay, go ahead, Carolyn. Tiger Woods. Okay, yeah, what's going on now? accident last week. Yeah, anybody that wants to know more about the details of the uh, broad injury, not the specific Tiger Woods injury, but broadly, we have a new segment here on Nuanez now. The first week of every month, it'll be kind of in flux whether it's on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, but it was yesterday for this month, and Dr. Michael Wright from Missoula Bone & Joint came on and told us all about what compound fractures mean. So if you're wondering what Tiger Woods is going through, you can check that out on the podcast. Anyways, yeah, Tiger. Yeah, that was really cool and interesting to hear. Um, aside from his injuries, they're looking into the possibility of a reckless driving um, warrant, I guess. Yeah. They are saying there were no skid marks, no objects struck the SUV, so he m- must have just been hauling. Yeah booty and so um, that's not good. Our good friend Riley Corcoran who guest hosts this show with me on Mondays and Tuesdays, he is a diehard Los Angeles Dodgers fan. I think he spends every dollar he's ever made and every day of vacation time he gets allotted to go to LA every single spring and summer to watch the Dodgers. He's driven that highway. He said it's uh, a very a place where you can get going real fast, but if the traffic's bad, all of a sudden, sharp blind corners and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Well, um, as you know, I used to live in L.A., yeah. so I know the area. Yeah. <laughs> I like to throw that in there. Um, no, I mean, Just to rumors... make more people in Montana hate you. Hey, it was a long time ago. I mean, I've been here for 11 years now. I'm basically a native. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, it's for every account of wit- witness account says that he was agitated when he left the resort. He was driving way too fast. Yeah. So aside I, I from guarantee his, you he was late and he just sure can't he handle being late. I guess. Listen, got, uh, I am like that. I have yeah. to, be, you're, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. That's yep. my motto. Yep. And so I get it. But Tiger, come on. Like, I was rooting for you. So hopefully his leg will be okay. And hopefully, um, I mean, hopefully he'll just get a misdemeanor ticket. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he can afford it. I think that, that's the least of his worries. I'm just happy he didn't hurt anyone else. Yeah, no, the, it no was question. right by the high school, and if school had been in session, yeah, that could right. have been bad news bears. No question. What else you got? Um, okay, so something I've noticed okay. in the last uh, year okay. or so. Yeah. The NBA yes. has been really... I'm trying to word it rightly. Uh, rightly, I'm trying to word it the right way. They've been pro and obviously Black Lives Matter. They have been um, very, not very socially conscious. Away. Very yes. Very socially conscious. So yes. they had Black Lives Matter yes. um, masks. I mean, it was all of that stuff. And then for the All Star Game, they're highlighting all the black colleges, yep. um, sure. his, like some great schools. Yep. And it feels to me. And I'm just curious your opinion, and I'd love to know what other people think. 
that the NBA is way more into this social justice, social consciousness than the NFL. The NFL seems to have gotten a bad rap, and I don't know the details because I'm the chick who doesn't know sports. So I'm curious your opinion on this. Oh, my gosh. We could spend an hour on this. Um, It's easy to forget that before Magic Johnson came into the NBA, the NBA was a completely fringe sport that most of America considered far too black to be entertaining. The NBA Finals for all through the 50s, 60s, and 70s was not even on live television. They would show it on tape delay in the middle of the night. That's why people don't remember Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain the way that they should, because those guys were never on live TV. I Every remember one- Wilt Chamberlain's reputation. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, maybe like NBC Sports would show a Lakers-Celtics game you know, in prime time, but like the NBA Finals was not on on network TV until the 80s. And I think that David Stern, for as polarizing as his legacy was, he instilled a culture in the NBA when he was the commissioner of globalizing the game and being resoundingly accepting. There also was a, a very dark period in the NBA in the 70s when the NBA and the ABA had both risen up. And the ABA was then really considered the place where a lot of the black stars were going. Julius Irving, Moses Malone, Artis Gilmore. And then, for whatever reason, the uh, epidemic is too strong of a word, but the rash of cocaine that hit the United States in the mid to late 70s when everybody was partying and nobody really knew how dangerous it was. It got into the NBA more than probably NBA and the ABA probably more than anywhere else, and it ruined a bunch of guys, including really? Mike, Michael Ray Richardson, who was from the University of Montana, probably the greatest player to ever come out of Montana. He was a fourth overall pick by the New York Knicks, and his entire career was basically at least derailed. And I mean, he was uh, ultimately he was suspended for life from the NBA for failing drug tests, and oh this all came to a head in the mid '80s when Len Bias, who was one of the great college players from the University of Maryland was the number two overall pick by the Boston Celtics, and then he overdosed and died on draft night. That was oh, a my God. This was a huge wake-up call for the NBA. That's a complete uh, side note, though. But th- this was why um, there was a lot of different factors that went into making the NBA really hard to sell to mainstream, a.k.a. white America. That's why Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan are so transcendent because they made people forget about race and just watch the sport. And that then the NBA then became the pioneers basically of making a lot of different things, but in a lot of ways, black culture acceptable in America. I mean, I would say that hip hop and the NBA are the two things that really um, normalized black culture to, to the rest of the country. And then on the flip side... So then this leads to this league where the commissioner of the league wants it to be global. It wants it to be, you know, colorless. It wants it to be accepting, all-inclusive. And then because of that, the leaders of the league, like Michael Jordan and then now LeBron James, they are the most powerful people in the league. They run the league. The, the moment LeBron James decided he wasn't going to put his hand on his heart for the national anthem or when he was going to kneel, the whole league kneeled. And there was not a controversy because he set the tone, and that's what it was. It's completely different in the NFL because the NFL is not run by the players. It's fully run by the owners. It's a slippery slope to 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 uh, diagnose and analyze 
the cultural backgrounds of the owners, but it is certainly a completely less accepting operation. But also, the players don't run the league. The owners run the league. There is no player empowerment. Even the quarterbacks that are the biggest stars, they have almost no influence in the way that the league is actually operated. Therefore, then the owners can hold the players hostage. The other thing is, in the NBA... When you reach this point of being a superstar, you are not expendable because no one else can be like you. No one else can be LeBron James or Kevin Durant. Um, I'm sorry. In the 80s, I was told I could be like Mike. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But but people worship NBA players because right. they see they can see their faces. They can see their personalities. They are the ones that get the biggest endorsement deals. They're the most marketable brands. In the NFL, it does not matter how good you are. You are one play away from your career being over, and you are also completely expendable because even if you reach this point where you are an all-world player, the kid who's behind you, even if he's not as good as you, he costs one-tenth the amount of money, and it's a salary cap sport. So everybody is trying to rebuild their roster with young talent. Therefore, then players have never had an opportunity to speak out, or they've. Ne- I mean, they're shunned by doing it. Look at Colin Kaepernick. He right. completely got blackballed out of the league. This has been a complete uh, calamity, basically, of displaying the the power that the owners have and the lack of um, flexibility that the that the players have. So, I mean, that's in a nutshell. That's uh, it. That's good to know because I was like, I, I've just noticed it, and I thought everyone's calling the NFL racist. Not everyone, people. I don't know. And then I see the NBA doing things completely opposite and embracing Black Lives Matter and 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 doing all these things sure. that um, you know, it, it's just night and day. They're, I, I think know. I think that there's a couple other factors too. I think that there's a so many of the NBA owners are younger, like tech guys that made money. In tech, so the uh, Mark, guys like Mark Cuban or Steve mm-hmm. Ballmer, or, you know the guys that own the Warriors. Those guys are all none of them are like really old. Right. Most of the people that own NFL franchises, I mean, NFL franchises cost billions of dollars. Right. So you either have had to have it in your family forever, or you have to be like Jerry Jones and just be one of the richest people on the planet to yeah. be able to to buy these things. So. I think that there's a disconnect, too. I, I talk about this on the show all the time. Race and social justice and, and exclusivity, inclusivity, all that stuff aside. I think the NFL has fallen behind in a lot of different ways. I think they promote the game. Um, I think they promote it to uh, a, an, an aging fan base rather than a young fan base, whereas the NBA is all about promoting to young people. Yeah. And I think that uh, the NFL could, could learn from the NBA, to be sure. Well, here we are solving the world's problems. As usual. So. <laughs> Interesting. No, I'm glad I, I learned that because I had no idea. So this is good. I mean, I guess the easiest way to say it is that uh, I think that the 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 NBA has made a point to be uh, inclusive, and I think the NFL has made a point to keep the power in the hands of the owners. That's basically what it comes down to, whether it's a cautious decision or not. Anything else, Carolyn? No, that's it. It's. I mean, I've already taken up enough of your time. I love it. This is our favorite segment every Friday. It's the Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports with our good friend Carolyn right here on Nuanez Now. It is presented each and every week by the Iron Grizz American Bistro. Go check out the Iron Grizz at the University of Montana Golf Course today. Grizz greats, Corey Falls, led the nineteen ninety five Grizz and Sacks. Twenty five, I guess twenty six years and a couple months ago. Coming at you right after this. You're listening to Nuanez now on one oh two nine ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. 
After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you got big plans for the weekend. Hope you had a great end of your week. This is Nuanez Now. I am Coulter Nuanez, broadcasting to you live on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. We got no time to waste. You see the painting, admire the painting. We'll tell you how to win the painting pretty soon here. We're going to come up with a contest idea, but if you want to buy the painting, rbagley3.com. It's easy. Just go there. You can get prints. You can get posters. You can get T-shirts. You can get sweatshirts. It is all part of our Grizz Greats podcast series. Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. I remember Blaine lighting the guy up, and that was cool. And I think the guy jumped up and did something to get a penalty after. He, I, I think he was a little dizzy, so he probably didn't realize what he was doing. But And the safety was, at the time, he didn't think that that was going to be the winning points of the game. But I vividly re- remember that in, in the fact that it was two of my close friends and same same age and defensive line guys. I was on the field goal team. The left side, who was on the right side. I vividly remember that. Just wanting to certainly do my job <laughs> and, not, and, and not be the reason why something went away. So I do remember the kick and being part of that, that field goal team and, and watching that go through the offense. The silver anniversary of the 1995 national champions. I am Coulter Nuanez of ESPN Missoula. Chris Grace is proudly presented by First Security Bank of Missoula as well as Blackfoot Communications. It's a 25-part podcast series chronicling Montana's 25th anniversary of their 1995 football national championship run. In this Chris Grace episode, we'll hear from Corey Falls. He was a junior defensive end on that 1995 team and led the Grizzlies with nine sacks during that season 25 years ago. Falls bounced around for the first couple years after joining the Grizz from Medford, Oregon, before finding a home at defensive end and thriving in both 1995 and 1996. Since his graduation from the University of Montana, he has gone on to become an essential and pivotal law enforcement figure back in his home state, and he's been doing a lot of emergency control in the Portland area during the pandemic over the last year or so. Without further ado, Grizz Greats featuring former Grizz defensive end Corey Falls. The, the moving position groups, sometimes I think that the underrated part is is the change in coaches. And, you know, Coach Bluegrad, I've been around him a lot, particularly when he was the head coach of Montana. But I've been around some of those other offensive coaches like Coach Pease now that he's back. But then I've been around Craig Paulson more than any of them because I was in school when Paulson was the defensive line coach. So tell us just about that transition because Craig Paulson is a distinctly different coach than those other guys. I mean, he is a no-nonsense perfectionist demanding type of coach. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I really liked coach Paulson. I have a, um, 
a really personal place in my heart for that guy and the things that he did for me personally. Um, I, you're exactly right. Coach Paulson is a man that is intense. He is a person that is focuses on attention to detail. He demands a lot out of the people that he, that he coaches. And, uh, you know, that certainly that level of, of intensity, you know, it was good for, for new players. One, one thing that was really good for me, for Coach Paulson, is he just drilled the, the basics and the fundamentals. And for somebody moving to a position for the first time, not knowing, I didn't, I didn't really come with any bad habits. I didn't really know what everything to do. And, and Coach Paulson, with that attention to detail, um, was, was really helpful. And, 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 I'll, and I'll say this also because, you know, college football is, you know, at least when I played, it probably hasn't changed too much. It's broken so much down into small sections, right? You know, you have 60, 70 guys, but most of your time is with your position and your position coach. And, you know, you have some defensive team meetings and, you know, some full team meetings, very few. So your time is with your, your time is with that. And, one thing that um, that made defensive line appealing, and one thing that brought me and uh, you know Brian Tune becoming my best friend, was uh, you know Paulson with his intensity. Uh, when you're spending that much time to people, you you do have to find outlets to make things fun, to make things funny, to lighten up the atmosphere, and we did that. And we pushed those limits. And to, to Coach Paulson's credit, he 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 allowed us to have personalities and to function in a manner that was, you know, worked for all of us. Well, if you've got Butte guys in the room, it's either going to be angry or funny or both, right? Those are your options. It is, and it was, you know, it was such a it was such a fun component. I I learned on scout team of of how to interact with Butte guys with with guys like Lance Allen who was a defensive no tackle at the time and and certainly that was not fun to be a running back on scout team when 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 you know guys like Lance Allen were, yeah. were, were across from me and you're having to run drills um and then you know being exposed to you know those guys on the defensive line with with, with playing with Randy Riley and and and, and Tune and and Eric Bueller who was a, a year younger you know it's those guys bring such a, uh, a great mentality and, and it, it is, it's fun. It's fun having that mentality in the room, especially when you can see the, the uh, more comical side. You mentioned the personality transition, but how about just the athletic transition? Because you know, on one hand, I mean, I imagine you were one of the fastest defensive linemen the moment you switched over from running back, right? I mean, if you're a running back, even if you're just average speed, you're going to be one of the fastest guys in the room. So was that something you could lean on a little bit when you were kind of learning the way to play the position? Yeah, that certainly that certainly helped a lot. You know, speeds, you know, speed wins out a lot of time. If you don't have anything else, you know, speed certainly helps. And that was a huge asset of mine. Um, I just had to figure out how to use it <laughs> and when and, and when to, to use it. My first spring um, of, of playing D-line, of course, I, I, I was truly learning from, from the beginning. And you have to, you know, you have to learn the physical, the physical part of it. You have to learn um, the, the run stoppage part of it. My introduction literally to defensive line was uh, Frank Garrett. I think he was an all-conference, maybe an all-American uh, offensive guard. 
uh, and he was a phenomenal lineman for the for for the Grizz. And I, I remember, you know, we were going through drills and defensive, and there's not a lot of different assignments. You know, certainly your tackle can go down, they can come at you, or they can drop back to, to pass. And one thing, if, if they go down and go away from you, somebody's going to replace them, and you better look inside to see who's replacing them. I haven't figured this out yet, so certainly I'm lining up, my tackle goes down, I don't know where to look. And, and I think Frank Garrett probably hit me. He hit me so hard. You know, I, I woke up, you know, a few minutes later, and, you know, probably 100 yards away. And I'm like, what the heck happened? And, and you know, Paulson comes up and he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, when that tackle goes down, you need to look inside. And it's like, oh. <laughs> I would have known that 30 seconds earlier. <laughs> so, so that really introduced me to, um, you know, that physical part of the, the game is, is, a, is, you know, an introductor like that of like, okay, this, <laughs> here's welcome to college football. Welcome to an, an all-conference guard and, and welcome to the D-line, Corey. So when you started though uh uh playing like you learned the position and now you know you're in that line and now you're the guy you get out there and 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 it's your job what was it like to be playing college football playing division one football for the grizzlies and and you know in this new role it was awesome like i said i i, I saw a path for me and to to be able to get to a place where you could start um you know, and then you just want to be, you, you want to be part of something uh, bigger. And, and at the beginning, it was just being on the team and being accepted and being one of the guys. And, um, and then as you start growing up with these guys and competing, you want to be a person that contributes, that is, um, you know, part of the group. And to be able to work um, into that position, to just be a guy that ends up on the field to, to help this team, meant more to me than, than, than anything. Cause you, you know, you're just, you're, you're, you're in a position where you can help, you can contribute and you can be part of the team. And to me, that was, that meant more, more to me than anything else. You mentioned going against some of those Montana offensive linemen too. I mean, I'm sure you had some battles probably with Scott Gregg too, maybe Eric Simonson, you know, some of the other interior guys as well. So did that help accelerate your development too? Just going against guys that were proven, you know, all conference, all American caliber players. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. The, the, the person, you know, that I had to go against all the time was Eric Simonson. And I tell you what, as a, as a, as a, as a person that was learning the position, well, what better way to be indoctrinated and, or to learn than to go against a perennial All-American? I mean, and, and I think that was, that was great for my development to, um, you know, to go, constantly go against the person that you really couldn't beat. So you're always figuring out a way to improve, to uh, try different things. Um, I don't remember a time where I ever beat Eric Simonson uh, on a one-on-one on -one rush, but I can certainly tell you um, it, it paid off in game day when I could beat tackles, you know, that that because that, um, I, had, I had spent – you know, all week practicing or, you know, my, my whole career practicing against, you know, an, an All-American. And then my senior year, Scott Curry came in, who was a phenomenal football player, and he was completely different. He was, he was, um, he wasn't as big as Simonson, but he was faster and he had different foot, feet work. So 
you know, getting to, you know, see that different look was, was very helpful for me. You know, I already, you know, discussed, you know, my, my first interaction with Frank Garrett and learning from, from, from that interaction. And that was a big deal. And then we just had, we had phenomenal linemen at the, at the university of Montana when, when I was there. And I think that made our, our whole defensive line better to go against those guys. 93 and 94, the Grizzlies uh, made some some great runs in the playoffs, uh, had some balls bounce against them late in the season uh, against you guys. Also, also during the course of your development as a player individually, that 95 season rolls around. What was your thought about about that team, your role on it, and and especially, I mean, your guys' junior class, so, that 90, so the 96 class, is one of the all-time groups in the history of the school. And so, but you maybe you don't, you, you see that you're special, but maybe don't know it like that in the moment. So what was it like there going into 95 for you? Well, yeah, that's, you bring up 93 and 94, because I think a couple things happened with, with this, with those kids, um, you know, my class and the 95 team is one, we all watched in 93, what happened when, when Delaware came to town. And, um, you know, as, as most of us that contributed in 95, we were freshmen, you know, standing on the sideline watching this unfold. And um, what a, you know, that was just a heartbreaking experience uh, to watch. I think we learned by watching that. I think we also, I think our coaches learned by watching that. And then in 94, that was a great team. Those, those, they were phenomenal. And to watch that team get to Youngstown and, and be competitive, um, you know, and, and competing against at that level. Um, going into 95, I think, you know, at, at least from the, from the offensive standpoint, we knew those guys were great. I mean, there's, there's no question. A lot of returners, phenomenal um, athletes at, at every position. And, and for, the, for the defense, you know, you had a bunch of – smart guys, analytical guys, um, that, uh, that were, it was, it was our turn. And I think again, what had made us better in, in, in our sophomore year in the spring of our sophomore year and going in is, is we're, we're competing and this new defense is competing against a great offense day in, day out. So, um, we knew we, we, we were, we were good. I mean, I don't think anybody, Certainly, if you were going through the, you know, the lineup for 95 and you're looking down the list, um, you're looking at, you know, left end, you know, left end is, is Johan. It's like, okay, he's, you know, big, strong, you know, local Montana kid, Ryan Thompson. Oh yeah. He's a, he's a local, you know, 290 pound, you know, tune as a butte guy. You get, you, you get to my name and you're like, who's, who's this guy, you know, from, he was a running back. And then, and then you have all these other credible guys. You've got Blaine McElmurray. You've got Sean Gokachia, whose brother played. There's, you know, David Sermon, who came from a huge football family. Mike Boucher, a local kid, Crebo. So I think if you were to see kind of my name on there, you'd be like, what's, what's going on here? But so who knew that like a, a running back would work out? Who knew that Jason Crebo would come out as a sophomore who replaced a guy that was phenomenal. It was a three-time all-big sky person. And it's like, how are we going to fill Dan Downs' position? And here comes Crebo, who's, who's an All-American out of the gate. Mike Boucher is an All-American out of the gate. So I think, you know, and, and, and then you have, you know, your, your, your standard players that are always great, you know, Blaine and, and all of that. So 
I don't know if we knew how good we would be, or you, and, and I think you expect that those guys would transition like that, and, and that was so awesome to see. I think going into 95, we just we knew the capability was there, but it just had to come out. So there you go, Corey Falls. He was the team leader in sacks on the 1995 Grizz and uh, went on to play his senior year as well, Montana 1996 as well. But pretty cool coincidence there that he's from Medford, Oregon, which is the same town that produced both Dante Olson and Tyrone Holmes, Montana's most recent two Buck Buchanan Award winners. You looking for some art to hang in your house? You want a present for one of the Grizz fans in your life? Well, this right here is our Grizz Greats painting. It's called the 95 Championship. That's it. It's by Ryan Bagley. You can go to rbagley3.com if you want to order one of these. You can get prints, posters, all of that. For those listening on the radio, this is a custom painting of Dave Dickinson, Don Reed, and Andy Larson in the front of Mount Sentinel with a whole bunch of other uh, references to the University of Montana campus and the Grizz Championship. So we're going to be giving this one away. We're going to start the contest when I get back from Boise. But if you want to get this for one of the Grizz fans in your life, just go to rbagley3.com. Got to get out. Bobcats play today. Both men's and women's basketball teams will have recaps for you. On the other side, you're listening to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home Finest, Isaac Brock, Modest Mouse, gotta love it. One of my favorites. Hope you're loving it out there on this sunshiny Missoula day. I am Coulter Nuanez, and you are listening to Nuanez Now, your one-stop shop for all things sports around the great state of Montana each and every weekday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. We got a little short segment here because we got to get out Kyle Sample is here he will join us we're going to talk NBA NFL and uh, college basketball on the other side but Montana State had a couple games this afternoon I actually hadn't really realized Montana State was playing this afternoon only because we haven't seen a Friday matinee in quite some time I knew that the women were going to play because they already played on Saturday night uh, or excuse me on Wednesday night against Sacramento State and so I knew they'd have their final regular season game. But the men also had a game today, and they'll play Sac State again tomorrow. But the Montana State men, they win 77-75 Aminadamu with 18 points to lead the Bobcat men. And now they're 8-5 and five in Big Sky Conference play. So that combined with Portland State's loss last night to Southern Utah and Northern Colorado's loss last night to Weber State means that Montana State for sure has a bye in next week's Big Sky Conference Tournament. They are alone in fourth place. They cannot finish any lower than fifth place. So we'll see what, who the opponent might be right now if there was the tournament was to start tomorrow. 
It would be Idaho State. Idaho State sitting there at eight and six. I believe that Portland State cannot catch Idaho State because they're six and seven, and they just have the one game left. So, looks like Montana State, Idaho State is likely going to be your first, I guess, your quarterfinal matchup for the Bobcats. So, two years in a row, Danny Sprinkles' team they earn a bye in the uh, first round of the Big Sky Conference tournament. So that is an advantage, big time, for Montana State as we head into the postseason. The Bobcat women they struggled mightily in Sacramento on Wednesday, but they still found a way to win. They got it out of. 61-57 win. It was not pretty whatsoever. It was a lot better looking on uh, Friday in Sacramento for Montana State. Tori Martell lit it up. 23 points. She was 7 of 12 from the on the arc. She is certainly uh, trying to make a bid as an all-league player here uh, in her senior season. And that victory now for Montana State, that puts them in good position. Uh, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Lady Grizz game against Idaho uh, tonight. But Montana State, they are one of the hottest teams in the league, and they finished the regular season at 13-3 and in league play. So they are tied with Idaho. Idaho has that game against Montana tonight. So the Vandals could get the two seed if they were able to win tonight, uh, but then they'd be the three seed if they were uh, to fall to Montana tonight. And so then that determines how the rest of the seeding would play out. The Lady Grizz then would be 10-3. and seven and uh, so Utah they're at their 10 game uh, minimum so that means they are in the mix for a seed so we'll give you all the updates on all that early next week from Boise we are heading to Boise for the Big Sky Conference tournament but there you go Montana State they pull out victories on both the men's and women's side of things if you need plans for the weekend I got one for you you should head to Lost Trail Lost Trail It's only about an hour and a half from Missoula. It's a great ski area. They've had great snow all year. And right now, they're having their season pass sale, and it's happening through Sunday the 7th. So you got to get on this. But this is going to be a really good deal. New pass holders, only $395 for adults. That's 13 through 59, and $295 for kids, 6 through 12. Lost Trail, if you're a pass holder, ton of great benefits. Unlimited skiing and boarding the entire season when Lost Trail Ski Area is open. No blackout days. You also get unlimited full-day tickets at half-day rates at all Montana ski areas, including Lookout. Buddy Lift passes, 25% off rental demos, 20% off all lessons, 15% off over $100 purchases at the retail shop. And you also get two free lift tickets to 49 Degree North in Washington State once that ski area is fully open and operational. Lost Trail is open from Thursday through Sunday, 9.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. Visit LostTrail.com for more info. Lost Trail, go for the snow. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming at you. We haven't talked NBA in a long time around here. I'm Jones, and this is the longest I think I've ever had a radio show without talking about the NBA. Main man Kyle Sample is going to be in studio to break it all down for us as well as maybe talk some NFL and uh, maybe revisit my rant from uh, earlier on about the broken state of college men's basketball. We'll see. We're going to have a lot of fun in the second hour, so stick it right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. You're listening to Nuanas Now. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom 
Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.